again on Monday night time. Let it fly, My name is Ben. I'm Steve. And this is Talk of the Townies. We are joined here with a very special guest. He looks just like a Kingsman. He does what? He looks like a Kingsman. You ever saw the movie The Kingsman? Is that the one where it's all the retired superheroes? Nope. That is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Okay, because he's not very old. <laughs> yeah. He's a young guy. This is, this is the kids' version of that. He's a, he's a young guy. somewhere between Spy Kids and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, The Kingsman, Secret Service. <laughs> John Kurtz. John Kurtz. Kurtzy. Kurtzy's hey, back. That, that's a first. I, I guess I'll take it as a compliment. It yeah, it's not. good. I'm just kidding. Of course it is. So, yep. uh, first question that we've been asked, Twitter was really wanting us to ask you this. Were you born with a radio voice or is that something you kind of trained <laughs> up? I, I, I certainly was not like born with it. Like I can remember being in high school and doing some broadcast stuff and listening back to it like horrified. So at some point... It just kind of developed. I have no idea really where, but I did not like actively try really to, sure. to so make n- it happen. Not like Steve and I. Yeah, no, like, not like us. <laughs> you guys try like us. all natural too. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. It's uh, a good bit. Um, okay, so when you are thinking about this time of the year, what goes through your mind? As far as like, what's your pregame, like before that first game, what's your like prep work look like for like oh, football man. season? Dude, like I, I worked straight until I got here. This is what, like 8.30? I worked straight until I got here. Uh, these days are getting long now. Uh, it's a ton of stuff because we got like PowerCat game day to start getting ready for. We got like imaging stuff for that. Um, we are, we've got some new stuff. This year with that, things have changed a little bit, so that's been extra work. I'm getting ready for Manhattan High football, which is a big part of what I do. I'm actually going to be on the Jumbotron the first game of the year this year, doing filling in for Smoller with that stuff. So (laughs) that on my plate, like it's just, it gets nuts. So every every day right now is pretty jam-packed. Like, you know, we're talking 10 to 12-hour days. So it's it's a lot of stuff like that. And then I got to do the two-hour show every day. So it's good. It's always like a double-edged sword. I always... Take a trip like in the middle of August. I come back and it's like, all right, I got to get back to work, but it's good. I mean, I like doing it, but it can be a pain in the ass. It's intense. It can it's be intense. A, yes, it's very intense. It's very intense. Well, obviously, we have you on today to talk about Manhattan High's football season. <laughs> uh, what's it looking like for the Indians there? Wait, yeah. are they still the Indians? I heard they changed it. They're, they're the Indians. There's like a committee that's looking into whether or not they're going to change it. For I some reason, I, I thought it was like closer this summer than, than normal. They, they were supposed to have a vote, right? But then when they got down to that point, it, they decided to just form a committee to look into it for the next couple of years. It was something like that. So it hasn't happened. I doubt that it's going to happen. Uh, Indians, have a, they got to replace their quarterback, Ian Trapp. He's a very good player, two-time All-League player. That's going to be uh, that's going to be tough. But they just reload. We know the Manhattan Indians. They reload. They do not rebuild. School. Yes, they reload. Uh, the other thing, I guess, while you're here, we might as well talk about some K-State football. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you prepped for that at all or not. Uh, yes, I was told there were rosters. I was told someone printed rosters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what I mean, what's give us like a one paragraph version of what you expect this season from your Kansas State Wildcats? Should be good, man. They should be good. Um, this is, remember last year talking with Dana Dimmel, the one time we get to talk to assistants, which is at Media Day in August, and he was saying, hey, before the 2016 season, we stay healthy, like we can be good, but I tell you what. Next year is like when we could be really, really good. And I mean, especially on offense, like they are so 
loaded with depth at every position. I think a lot of times you think of K-State being sometimes the ones can match up across the board, across the league, but you start losing guys to injuries as the season goes on, which we know always happens. That's when you get into some trouble. I mean, I think they've got quality depth on the offensive side of the ball. Defense, there are enough question marks to make you nervous, but I think the offense will be better enough that it's going to offset some of what you lose on defense and have to do there. I, I think the expectation should be competing for that Big 12 championship game. Like the fact that there is a Big 12 championship game this year really helps out. I know about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State being really good, but the expectation should no doubt be that K-State competes all year to be in, in Arlington for that thing. All right. That is exciting. I feel good. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, so when you think about like that game for a school like Kansas State, to me, it does kind of seem like an opportunity because now you've gone from having to be number one and having to get your tiebreakers and, and be the undisputed kind of champ uh, to now you just got to get into the top two. And if you can get into the top two, then you always got a chance. Like we found out in you know, 2003 or 1998, you just have to get to the game and then anything can happen. How dare you? Oh, well, <laughs> look, man, it, we're not, we're definitely, I mean, I am as high on the team as anybody, but we're not 1998. Like we're not, uh, you know, preseason. I'm just top saying, five. why are you even saying those numbers in, in a row next to each other? I right just, now? you know, it, it, it needs to be brought yeah. up sometimes. Yeah. I think my expectation, nobody asked, but I'll give it. Uh, I, I thought we were be going to the big 12 championship and from then on, I don't know what to expect. I mean, so many injuries come into play when you're looking at three teams who should all be the best or could be the best in the big 12. Um, got two new head coaches that at different schools rather. And then Oklahoma obviously has a new coach. So who even knows what to expect with them? But I, I feel like we're going to make the big 12 championship game and then we'll see what happens from there. The problem is like the, the one thing that's a tough hang up to get over and I, I don't know how much you buy into this aspect of it, like the history of it, but you figure you probably need to beat one of Oklahoma here in Manhattan or Oklahoma State in Stillwater yeah. to get there, right? Well, last time you won in Stillwater was 1999. Last time you beat Oklahoma here in Manhattan was 1997, I believe. So it's been a long time since that has happened. Now, you've had some good teams and some good games. I mean, 2011, for well, really every time they go to Stillwater – they feel like a big underdog and they play a pretty close game. Right. Uh, Cody Cook, even the last time that they were there. But that's a tough, I think, mental hurdle at least to get over and think, all right, well, they can go ahead and do that. This is going to be a good team, but those those should be big-time battles, man. I mean, that, that would be tough. I think it's all stat once about Snyder. Snyder's record against, like, first-year head coaches is just insane. Like, I think it's, like, undefeated or maybe one loss. But I really feel like it was undefeated. And that's the only reason that I get, have confidence in beating OU here for the first time since 97, like you were saying. I can understand that. Like, Oklahoma, I don't know if this will work in their favor or not, but their road schedule this year, they have to go to Ohio State. They come here. They go to Stillwater. So they have a hell of a road schedule. And maybe they get beat down by that at some point. I'm trying to remember exactly when that game is. Is that, like, late October when they come here? But um, maybe that gives you some hope. And it was Bob Stoops was really the guy that seemed to have – Snyder's number for the right. most part. Outside of a couple glaring examples, two of which in Norman were fairly fluky, uh, if we're being honest, in case they <laughs> well, won there in 12 and 14. Points, well, like, oh, uh, God, 12, you had Blake Bell, like, fumbling out of the belldozer, and you had a scoop and score. 
14, there was Honeycutt missed like a field goal, an extra point. Morgan Burns had an interception in the end zone. Yeah, just weird stuff. Right. Uh, Danzel McDaniel had a one-yard pick six. Yes. So <laughs> there, there, was, there was some weird stuff happening in those games. So, yeah, I, I think that does make a difference. Like you can say all you want. Lincoln Riley's been there and just the offense will continue to run. But at some point this season, you'd have to figure they're going to suffer because of not having an experienced head coach. Maybe that happens to be a man. Yeah, I think – I mean – we're really testing, I think, in a lot of ways, some of the um, programs that are at the upper echelon having basically the um, guy playing the season mode like on NCAA because we literally have, you know, Texas Tech playing video game offense, you know, just throwing it all over the place. And I think we're going to see something pretty similar to that, um, you know, at OU this year. I think, I mean just cue the laughter but KU is basically going to try to do the same thing and you know we're going to really see some of that um, some of that offense just be a little more widespread in the league Um, TCU and Baylor maybe are dialing it back a little bit but I mean I think that that OU going to that kind of format again um, without Stoops kind of more conservative play calling um, in terms of wanting to run the ball. Um, I mean, I think that could be a real challenge um, because for us, I think the biggest challenge is the front seven and getting pressure on the ball. Um, And we've had to kind of create pressure in the past um, with blitzes and stuff. And I just, I I think that's the biggest challenge for us uh, into this season is, is what can we do? I mean, secondary, I think you hope is going to be really great, but when you got to cover four or five guys, it's less, sometimes about covering and more about if you can disrupt up front. Well, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. So we went through the other day, there was a quote we had from Tom Hayes at Media Day where he said, you guys, as in the media, always paint us as this bend but don't break defense that's so – and I think people got really scarred by that in 2015 when there were so many injuries in the secondary and they – I mean, they couldn't do anything but just get toasted. It, I went back and looked at the numbers. I don't have them all in front of me, but I was looking at – sacks, tackles for loss, and turnovers, which I would classify as if you're going to talk about an aggressive defense, you're going to be pretty good in those categories. Whether it means you have to blitz to do it or not, that's how I would quantify it. Pretty middle of the pack overall. Like in the Big 12, they are pretty middle of the pack. So yes, some of it stylistically is bend but don't break, but it's not as much as you think it is. And in the years where they have defensive backs that they can rely on, like 2012, uh, honestly, 2013's defense was pretty good. 14 was pretty good. They were much better, and they created turnovers. It was just 15 was such an anomaly where it was so bad and they couldn't turn anybody over. I think you look at the D-backs here and feel pretty good about what you have yeah. with Duke Shelley and DJ Reed in terms of guys that are aggressive. They've certainly proven to be aggressive in their careers and just very decorated at this point. They've played a lot. I mean, Duke Shelley has played basically two full seasons. Kendall Adams, actually, I, I'm impressed with him. I think he played really well late in the year last year. And then... The fact that Sean Newland doesn't really seem to be in the mix at all at the other safety right now I think is, is honestly encouraging, and it's no knock on him. But you know, Denzel Goolsby or Eli Walker, whoever it's going to be, maybe even uh, one of these other Juco guys they snuck in in the dead of night, uh, it's just going to be somebody more athletic there at safety. So I think they're going to feel good enough about the secondary there, but it is can you replace Jordan Willis? Can yeah. you replace Elijah Lee? Right. Can you get enough from the front seven to make that matter enough? But I – I think the pieces are in some ways there. They still have nice pieces up front, man. Reggie Walker, <clears throat> Will Geary, those guys are studs. Um, 
I'm blanking out. Trey Deshaun, like he is pretty good up front. Linebacker is where you have a bunch of question marks, but there are guys that have been in the program a long time and guys that are pretty athletic. Elijah Sullivan comes to mind there, Daquan Patton. Um, so I think there's enough there. Whether it all comes together, I don't know, but I actually sort of like what they have there. What position on defense do you think we're the slimmest at? In terms of like if the first first tier goes down. Then we're yeah, just... see, I think it's a good question because most people would think right away, well, you lost every linebacker, so it would have to be linebackers. But there are a lot of bodies there at linebacker. I mean, they always talk about uh, size 11 tanking first, Jade Kirby's there, but uh, Justin Hughes, Elijah Sullivan, Daquan Patton. Like, there are bodies there at linebacker. Honestly, the area that would concern me the most if you lost somebody uh, is defensive tackle. Like, they've got ins, all kinds of ins that can rush the passer, but inside they're not nearly as deep. I mean, behind the front two I mentioned, like, you do have Ray Price, but then you're getting into some freshmen, just people we have never heard of. They've taken some hits there, like when Bryce English, really talented kid, had to go back because of his dad to uh, to North Texas. So that'd be the area to me that concerns me the most. And that's why I don't know if it was talked about enough how scary the Will Geary thing was. I know we all just assumed in the end he was going to be back, but that would have been a huge blow. I mean, I would argue that could have been a bigger blow than losing Elijah Lee, than losing Dante Barnett, anybody else really on that defense. Yeah, I mean, to me, defensive playmakers, not just guys who do their job, but guys who go get sacks. You know, don't just plug the hole, but go and make plays and cause fumbles and stuff. Those are one of the most irreplaceable um, yeah, defensive positions, and I think Geary is one of those guys. Obviously, oh, yeah. Jordan Willis was the perfect example of that, and that's going to be a huge hit. But, um, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying for sure. Yeah, so for speaking of up front, um, from the line, uh, how do you feel that will shake out? It had some kind of uh, you know injuries and, and some things going on. So what do you think with the offensive line, do you think that's going to be able to provide uh, the push up front to get – you know, room uh, for the running backs, uh, for Ertz, um, to have time to run and, and pass? And, and do you think that's going to be enough to make sure that the offense has the production that we think is going to happen because of the skill position? Well, it definitely hurts to lose Reed Niver. I won't try and, like, <laughs> minimize the importance of that, especially just coming up at the fairly last minute here. I mean, I guess they do have a few weeks to really get a retool. But he was a good player. Uh, he was a good player. The, the good news with it is that – if there was one position group that you could withstand an injury to a starter, I think you might go offensive line first. In fact, I would argue that you would. If you were going to say you have to lose somebody for the year as starter, I'd say take someone off the line because they're deep. They're really deep there. They, they've recruited pretty well there for two, three, four years, and so they've built up this class of freshmen, sophomore, juniors that are a mix of junior college guys and guys that have come from the high school ranks that are all pretty ready to play and I think are all pretty good. And then on top of that, I know this is one of the more tired narratives maybe about the football team, but I do think there's a lot of truth to it. Uh, Charlie Dickey can take just about whatever you throw to him on the offensive line and make a competent at least and typically a good offensive line out of it. I mean, they've had some years where they've struggled to run the ball like in 2014, but I think that was more attributed to what they had at running back. Um, now they've got weapons there. I think – like Adam Holtorf, once he gets up and going, give him a couple weeks, I think he'll be all right. I don't think it'll be all that big of a deal. So I am, I am pretty darn confident in what they have on the line. All right, so looking at um, schedule then, I mean, our first big test is, is obviously Vanderbilt. What, what do you see um, going towards that game, and do you think that this could be kind of a replay of the Stanford game where we saw a really tough physical 
defense and we just weren't able to get going. The offense kind of got frustrated um, and, and Ertz really struggled with, with the pressure up front and we couldn't really get a running game to support him. Yeah, maybe a, a poor man's Stanford would be like <clears throat> what you'd consider Vanderbilt. I don't Admittedly, I don't know a ton about them right now. I know they had a pretty good running back last year who's coming back who was a young guy. Um, they're obviously not dynamic offensively. I think we all realize that. But it is an SEC defense, and you can scoff at Vandy if you want, but they've been tougher over the last couple of years, even since uh, James Franklin left there and went to Penn State. And it's it's just a road game. Like, it's a road game in September. I think you always have to be somewhat nervous and leery about what that's going to be. I think they'll be fine, but just you throw in the fact that it's a Power 5 team, so a team with a pulse on the road. If you are breaking in like Adam Holtorf at center for his first time on the road, like that, that is a concern. But the good news here is there's so much made about these second-year starting quarterbacks under Bill Snyder. They average like 10 wins a season if you're a second-year starter there. Jesse Ertz seems right in line to go with that, to handle that. Remember how lost he looked at Stanford? Like, I, I, you're not going to go through that again. I think just having so much experience with guys like him, especially on the offensive side of the ball, will be enough. Like, they should be able to outscore Vandy. I don't worry about a, a ton about that game. I think maybe the biggest game on the schedule, based on the way it sets up, is going to be the second road trip, which is to Austin, Texas, uh, just a couple weeks later. That, that one, I think, will tell you a lot about which way the season's going to go. Agree. Uh, so... October 7th, um, this year for that uh, Texas game, um, I think back to kind of that second year going in for the program where we kind of set the expectations and the turning point, hinge point of the season. Um, what do you think is going to be the difference if you look back and you see when we went in there with uh, Jake Waters and, and Daniel Sams and we felt really confident about how you know explosive the offense was going to be going down there um, and and then we kind of came up short. I mean, you could kind of put that into either category. I mean, Vandy or UT, but since you brought up Texas, what do you think is going to be different this go-round in that matchup? Well, this time they won't be playing the wrong quarterback. (laughs) 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 Yet to be seen. Yeah, yeah, we could. I mean, mean, yeah, that's another possibility. I mean, we, we, we... we have seen Ertz and other K-State quarterbacks, you know, get injured. So what, I mean, if, if we have an injury there, say. <laughs> that was just my, I had to get a D-Sams plug in there. That, that, I had to get a D-Sams plug in there. Uh, I mean, well, think about the last two trips to Texas. How disappointing those have been. I mean, 2015, it was like the torrential downpour. Yeah. Could not score, could not move the ball. Gerard Hurd was playing quarterback. Like, I, I don't know how they lose that game, but they do. And then 13 was just a mess just look clunky uh from the get-go so while I feel like that's a huge game for the season I almost think that is one of those games that'll be more about what Texas is than what K-State is you will have a road test under your belt in Vandy at that point in time which I think will help but that'll be more like okay is is Texas for real now we'll have seen them play USC so maybe we have more of an idea but Texas needs to do it in the conference win some games in the league they did go out and beat Notre Dame get everyone excited at the beginning of last year so what what is Texas if Texas is what some people think they can be, like one AP voter had them at number nine, I mean, if they're that good, then you need to prove it right there. I think that's the type of game that they would have to win to really validate themselves and justify themselves. So um, I think K-State will be fine based on what I think Texas is. I think they could be okay, eight or nine win team, maybe yeah, on the very, very high end. But K-State should win that game. Yeah. But if Texas really is a Big 12 title contender, then that becomes a giant game. 
Yeah, I think it helps us that it's early because he hasn't. Yeah, and quarterback. I mean, I think I think that's the biggest. I mean, if we, I think everybody in town, I mean, is pretty high on on Jesse Ertz. I think we're all in on on that. And so I think for most games you line it up. I mean, Baker Mayfield. You know, other than that, you you basically think we're even or have an advantage going in. I mean, that's huge. And so I, I, I absolutely think it's going to come down to, you know, defense. Can the defense hold? And, and is the offense going to live up to that hype? Because I, I don't think if you look at quarterback matchups through the whole season, we're, we got to feel great about that. Right. I mean, that's, don't forget Rudolph. He's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield, you're probably at a disadvantage there. But I, I'm a Jesse Ertz believer. Like, I, I really am a, a believer in Jesse Ertz. Uh, what was the – when they're a go emoff thread, like, what if Jesse Ertz is a huge? <laughs> I mean, he is. He is. Like, he's. I'm not sure that I was buying it a couple of years ago, but he really is. And if you if you want to put much stock into like what the coaches tell us and what the coaches say, Bill Snyder's commented multiple times this summer about his arm strength just being up. That he would go look out there at him, and after the shoulder surgery that he had this off season, that the arm strength uh, looks a lot better. And uh, Colin Klein was talking to him about just the fact that. He, he's very much stronger overall. So you're talking even when he's running, trying to break tackles, that sort of thing, that he is just a lot stronger physically all the way around. So I like everything I'm hearing. He clearly knows the offense. He's coming into his own a little bit too, I think, with some confidence. He had those comments uh, in Dallas at Big 12 media days about how you come to K-State, you're Baker Mayfield, you go to Texas Tech. Well, you were a great athlete that everybody overlooked because you were a walk-on there. You come to K-State and walk on and work your way up. You're not a great athlete. You were just coached up by this magical coaching prowess that Bill Snyder has. I loved it, man. I thought it was such a poignant thing to say. And the fact that he now is coming out and saying things like that tells you something about where he's come along mentally. So maybe it's crazy to read into that, but I think he's got just an aura of confidence about him to go along with the skill set. I'm I'm, I'm all in on Jesse Ears. Yeah, and almost makes it seem like he is better than Mason Rudolph, like some other people might not think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, okay, let's get into some some numbers. Um, I know, kind of just ballpark it here. Who do you think has the most carries at running back and who has the most touchdowns? Oh, that's a great question, man. God, those are great questions, <clears throat> and I cringe because I spent half of last year <laughs> – me and Cole Manbeck just bitching and moaning about the lack of Alex Barnes carries. Um, God, I hope it's Alex Barnes that has the most carries, but couldn't you see it being Justin Sillman? I mean, uh, if you put a gun to my head right now, I would go Alex Barnes, but I think it'll be really close. And I think Justin Sillman starts at least the first game. I think he'll be the guy that gets the first touch just based on the way things have gone there and just this weird weird thing they have with not making Alex Barnes the featured focal point of the offense. I don't totally get it. And touchdowns, I mean, do we, do we need to have that? <laughs> <laughs> do, do we need to have that conversation? Family fullback? I think, I, I think it may be. So here, here's a funny story, actually. And I don't, some of you may have seen this on, on Twitter, but we all think it's like a, a fan thing that we make fun of Winston getting the ball, how much he does, all that, right? So at media day, we sent um, Mitch Fortin, who was like the third guy on our show around, to just ask like goofy questions to some of the players. We had him ask uh, a lot of the players to do an impression of their position coach. Because I was like, 
I'm sure we can't get any of them to do an impression of Snyder, but I bet they would do an impression of their position coach. So we get Alex Barnes, and Alex Barnes is like, oh, yeah, I'll do data demo. That's fine. Well, he comes out, and this is the quote. I, I won't try and imitate the impression too much, but his quote, what he says, he's just – like, oh, hey, this is Dana Dimmel, uh, just, just trying to get Winnie the ball. Just trying to get Winnie the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that was Alex Barnes' impression. I can't like, believe that guy doesn't get carries. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it was kind of like a little window into, like, uh, you know that's a live mic, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say off the record. No, no, there was none of that. So I think they, they realize some of the hopefully just humor in the situation. But, yeah, you got to go Winston. Long story short. That's amazing. Got to go um, Steve, is it true that you had a drink called a Winston Demo? I did invent a drink called the Winston Demo. What is the Winston Demo? I like this. Uh, it was comparable to Sazerac, uh, just mostly because I laced the... Laced. <laughs> <laughs> did did you lace it, lace it with extra, no, <laughs> extra I, carries? What is it called? You put it... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you put absinthe around the glass. Uh, is that lace? I feel like the word is lace. I can't think of another one. Then the drink was. Made. I don't think lace yeah. is a good term for it. Come up with a different term. Try I don't it. think laced is what people want. It's laced with. That's not a good selling point, Steve. Come up with a different term for it. You, Even if that's you true. You loved that drink. <laughs> I did, but I, I would not. I would have been more skeptical if you said, "Well, it's laced with," <laughs> as like your first sentence describing it. It's uh, lined. We'll call it with lined. The line. There you go. There's, yeah. That's better. You know, lined. Old noodle wasn't working that well today. Um, yeah, absinthe. It was kind of like a set, which is like the yeah, yeah, yeah. Cedric. And then somehow scotch was involved, which sounds ridiculous now in my more mature years as I think about what this drink was, but there was also a cherry in there. That was, that's all I remember about this drink. Yeah. That but Winston Dill sounds like a very old yes. man yes. who smokes a pipe and yes. reads large books. <laughs> and that's why I pictured this man drinking. Let me settle down here with my Winston Devil. <laughs> Kurtz, what, a, what new name should we get used to hearing a lot? Ooh, that's a good question. Um... You know, does a uh, new name as in somebody that just arrived or new name as in somebody that just hasn't played? Hasn't played. I think the guy that is, I would say, is the safest bet, like the one I feel safest saying here, would be Trent Tanking. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a weird situation that you're a guy that's sat around your entire career and then as a senior, everything's wide open. All of a sudden, you're a captain. All of a sudden, you're a starter. All of a sudden, you're like the leader of this group of linebackers that hasn't played at all. He looked pretty good against TCU when he got thrown in there at the end of the year last year. Um, so I think that gives you some hope. Initially, I had the same thoughts. Probably a lot of people did question marked his athleticism. But they've been able to make guys like that pretty solid players. Like Jonathan Truman comes to mind as a really good yeah. blueprint, I think, for what you hope Trent Tanking is. I mean, he's a guy – I think he had a 100-tackle season. I mean, he was – a solid player. Like, that was not Alex Rebeck out there. I think you hope that it's more Jonathan Truman than Alex Rebeck. But even, like, Blake Slaughter. Blake Slaughter is another guy that I always question whether or not he was athletic enough really to do it. And he had a pretty good 2013 when all of a sudden he came on as a senior. So I think he's the guy that I would put in in pen. Like, pencil, Eli Walker, I mean, they seem to really like him at safety. Uh, I had thought... Maybe Carlos Strickland at receiver. I tell you what, at receiver, one name I might throw out there is Isaiah Harris. Um, I think Isaiah Harris has a chance to actually do some things that get him the ball in space. He's just lightning quick. 
Um, so there's a couple names for you, but take Trent Tanking to the bank. Sure thing. Okay. We're going we're gonna to have a little time travel transport in time. We're going to pretend like there's a 2.30 ABC game against Oklahoma. Um, it's big game. Can I get Obviously. Keith Jackson on this one? Okay. Uh, but it's interesting you bring that up because we're not actually going to get Keith Jackson. We're going to go with another retiree. Uh, headed out to Vegas, a little different than old Keith. <laughs> yes. We're talking yes. about yes. we're talking, of course, about Brent Musburger. Right. So who is going to be in if we're like in this setting and we got this big two thirty game uh, against Oklahoma? Who's going to be the guy that Brent would say, "There's that man again"? <laughs> like who's going to be the guy that's like making the big plays to win us a big game, offense oh, or can defense? I give a guess? I want to say Byron Pringle. It can't be. It can't. Well, okay. I won't even put qualifiers on it. But yeah, who's going to be the guy? Like, remember when Teddy Sims was like the the guy in the the two thousand and three Big Twelve Championship game, and and Brent was just like losing it, and <laughs> Teddy's running along the sideline, showing the ball to like the Stoops brothers, and like flipping them off probably or smoking a cigarette. I'd go. Um, you know, Pringle is good. Like, I think Pringle has that capability. I'd say if you're going offense, him or Barnes, like I think those are the two guys with game-breaking ability on offense. There are a lot of really solid pieces and solid players. But if you're talking about guys that can change the game, it would be those two. I, like maybe Jesse Ertz. Maybe Jesse Ertz qualifies there too. But skill position, Pringle or Barnes. And on the other side, Reggie Walker, man. I, I think you're talking high-ceiling guys on the defensive side of the ball. I think you're, you're looking at Reggie Walker getting after the quarterback. I can remember when he was being recruited – there was like uh, supposedly an Oklahoma offer late in the thing, and they still got him in. And then he was on the travel squad his freshman year, and I kept hearing good things when you'd ask people about him. And then he just burst on the scene last year. I think he's going to be a monster. The question to me is whether or not he goes through like a year of adjustment without Jordan Willis. So maybe you have to wait, but I'm, I'm really high on Reggie Walker. That's another name I'd throw out there. Who's yours, Ben? Um, I would say I, – I, I mean I always like – the swaggy corner. So I would say, you know, maybe Duke Shelley. Uh, maybe you go Reed, but I think either one of them is, like, in a good position to have, like, a good pick six. You know, that would be nice. No, hey, speaking of your boy, Mason Rudolph, he only <laughs> threw four picks the entire year last year. One of those was pick six to Duke Shelley. Yeah. So, there you go. That's a pretty good stat. Um, all right, so let me give it a scenario for you. You tell me how likely it is. From 1 to 100. What are the chances that Bill Snyder has a leave of absence for his health and he has to have Sean Snyder step in to coach mm. for over one game? If you would have asked me this in June, I would have said maybe 50-50. Uh, now, I would say 25. Okay. 25. It's pretty high on the radar still. <laughs> uh, eh, maybe that's a little high, like 20, 20-ish. Uh, 20-ish, if I can amend that, 20-ish. I don't think it's likely, uh, but it's like one of those things, who knows? You know I mean? Like cancer, you, you never really know, and you never know what kind of toll it's going to take on everybody. So I think it's less likely now. Sure. Uh, back a couple months ago, I think it was a much higher possibility. Yeah. My other question I had was, at the end of the year, if we go through coaching search... What are the chances that we have Levitt or Venables versus the field? Which one's more likely? I would say, oh boy, so I don't get Sean and Levitt or Venables? Nope. 
Oh man, that makes it tough. That makes it really tough. Um, I'll be honest with you right now. Because of Sean, I think I'd go the field. I think I'd go the field. But you, you heard me have to pause there. Like I think Levitt was Curry's guy for sure. I mean, I think he had come around to to him. And then Venables, I don't know. He Venables is like that weird. It's just such a weird situation. I love Brent Venables. I would love for him to be here. I do have some questions as to why I wanted him really bad back in 2006, 5, 6, and he still hasn't become a head coach since then. There's also, like, the weird rumors about whatever it was that he did here that might prevent him from being a or coach. Or didn't do here. Or didn't do, allegedly, whatever. Um, I can do to cover my tracks there. But, I mean, I think they would entertain that, depending on what people say. Uh, I just – I feel like – Bill is going to have a much, much larger say in this than with the previous regime, which is not telling you likely anything that you didn't know already. But I think Bill is going to have a heavy, heavy influence this time, especially if it comes at the end of this year. So I'll go Sean. I'll just play it safe. I would go with the field. Yeah, I I mean, I think that's a a very easy choice at at that point because I just think, I mean, Kellis had an article just came out that was talking about Sean and you know like I think everybody just kind of like that was either not just like pure okay yeah just whatever Snyder gets to choose or people that were just like want to think about who would they would like to be head coach and um, those people have just been in this kind of weird state of denial when like literally every quote is like I would like my son Sean. Have you have you met him? He's on staff. I've made him assistant co-head coach. I would like him to take over. And everybody's like, you know, there's probably some secret deal for Levitt, <laughs> or or we can get Brent in here. And everybody just like constructs these weird like conspiracies or fantasies about like who's it gonna be. And it's like this is gonna be the most slow motion, like most easily predictable like succession plan you've ever seen. And I, I just I mean if you read you didn't have to read between the lines. If you just like read the lines, you can figure out that. I mean, I I think it's pretty much clear that Sean is is by all means going to take over. Yeah. Whether that happens at the end of this year, I think that's somewhat more of an interesting question. I mean, I don't, and especially if the season goes as well as as we all hope. I mean, I think that's more of an open question. But the the one know. thing I will say about Sean is that. He has been done a disservice, I think, by Bill Snyder's policy of not letting assistants ever speak publicly because you have this perception of Sean as like, okay, oh, God, I don't want him to be the coach. So you automatically have a negative connotation with anything Sean Snyder in your head because you don't want to be a coach because he's never been a coordinator. He doesn't have experience, yada, 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 and I get it. But if you sit down and talk to Sean, I mean, he there's a lot of the assistant coaches I love talking with, but he is a cool guy. Like, if I – He's just a cool dude, and he really pushes for a lot of the things that the players want to try and enhance some of the experience there. He's gotten some different music and practice, as weird and silly as that sounds, but I don't know, man. Do you want to be sitting there listening to, like, Aerosmith and ACDC <laughs> all day in practice, like the Snyder soundtrack? So, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, he, he, helps, he helps with some stuff like that that uh, I think people don't realize his role in doing that. And... He's just a very likable guy, but so many people have a negative perception of him because when have you ever heard Sean Snyder talk? Like, we talk to him once a year, and we'll get him maybe once or twice for an interview, and uh, and that's it. So I think if he were more accessible throughout his career, people would 
be more open to it because he'd be more likable. And it's a pretty simple concept there. So I think he's been hurt by that. Now, having said that, the the reason I would still be against him probably being the guy at head coach is because if you go hire Brent Venables or you hire Jim Levitt, what are the odds that Sean Snyder staying on as director of football ops and special teams coach and basically doing what he's doing now? I think they're really, really high. And then, well, <laughs> so, then yes. so then you got both. So then it's not only that, but those other two guys can recruit or have better leverage to recruit. And I don't feel like Sean Snyder's going to have that ability to recruit. So let's say they don't work out three years later, and then you can hire Sean with better recruits for him to work with. Sure, than yeah. The other way around. Also, recruiting a staff. I mean, I think you'd be more right. confident in not that Sean's not highly respected because I do believe that he is, but I think if you got one of those guys, they could likely bring in a, a more talented staff. Well, they've just been around more too to make more connections. Right, they've been and different places. Same yeah. place, Levitt's so. been all over the place. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's yeah, that's where I go with that. But. I agree. What else we going to talk about tonight? Um, have you seen uh, Mark Mangino on Twitter lately? Keeps on wood. Yeah. That keeps on wood. Uh, did he do something crazy? No. He, he just seems to be enjoying retirement. Oh, okay. And, and <laughs> I, he, he actually, uh, the last time I saw him, he looked really good. I'm a, I'm a Mangino fan. Yeah. He's getting inducted to what? Oh. KU. Yeah, 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 yeah. KU's putting him in the Kansas Athletics Hall of Fame. Here's one for you. So we talked about that. They brought him back, right, to put him in the KU Hall of Fame in honor of the team, the 2007 team. Will K-State ever do that with Frank Martin? One, bring him back to honor, like, the 10th anniversary of 2010 and or put him in the K-State Athletics Hall of Fame. Here is the criteria for the K-State Athletics Hall of Fame. I looked it up. It is you have to have been here for five years, you have to have been out of here for five years, and you have to have made a great contribution to the K-State Athletics program you were at or whatever. A great contribution to K-State Athletics. So, I would say yes, uh, now that gone. Um, no, but I also don't, I mean, like, I think an easier one would be like, uh, retire Jake Pullen's Jersey number. That seems like yeah. a real slam dunk. Or might be, if you pardon the pun, <laughs> he couldn't die. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I think that's a no because he, I, I, would Frank want to? I mean, I think Frank likes a lot of people in Manhattan, but I don't think he has a lot, a lot of positive relationships with people at Kansas State. But it was Curry. It was, it was Curry, though. I, it was there's, Curry. There's plenty of people that worked for John Curry still in K-State Athletics Department. But I, I think his relationships with most people were really pretty good outside of one. Okay. I, I do believe that. Okay. I mean, you you get I mean, in a good position to know. I just don't think... I mean, if you're Frank Martin, what's your motivation to come back to Can- I mean, yes, people will love you, but there's also a lot of people that don't like Frank... I mean, shocking it as is, it is, yes. there's a lot of people that don't really like Frank. So what? Jake Waters. <laughs> I mean, no, but seriously, I just can't. I just can't. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me. I like. I, it is absurd that we that we do this. But like, here's here's a question: um, Have we like retired or or done the same thing? Like, as Lon Kruger, Lon Kruger's done it. So Lon Kruger yes. is in the Hall of Fame. He also was, was a, player. a player, and that makes a big deal because he was right. a great player. Right. So I think that, that it's makes a little a harder to figure out. Yeah. But. And he, you know, he, it was kind of a messy deal ish when he left as a coach. So uh, on a couple fronts, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that you know time healed those wounds. So I, it's interesting to think about. I'd like to see yeah. it happen, but that's just the 
nostalgia. I was in college for Frank's mm-hmm. best years kind of oh. thing, you know. I mean, so don't I'll always to, be attached. Don't have to tell me twice. Yeah. Frank. Frank, man. Yeah. Frank. So, how about K-State basketball? No, God. Do well, it here's here, you want you want my one my one take on K-State basketball right now? They are going to have, believe it or not, after all this talk about the core of guys that they've been waiting, we've been waiting for this core of Dean Wade, Barry Brown, Kamau Stokes, whatever, to get another year of experience, another year of experience. We're waiting for that, waiting for that. There's so much experience. Well, ta-da, here they are as juniors, and there's going to be eight new players on this team, eight players that have never touched a Big 12 floor on the team. So it'll literally be this group that has played a ton of minutes and eight players that have it. Now I'm talking like if you're going with Diara or Jara who didn't play last year, but all the newcomers, the it's just it's such Bruce Weber basketball to have eight newcomers all of a sudden okay. playing. What about here. the X Factor? Yeah, he he's the so there's four. There's four <laughs> guys. Yes, there's four. Stokes, Brown, Wade, X, and then your guess yeah, is as good yeah. as mine. Yeah. So I'm. If you can't tell, I'm not real high on that. Okay. All right. I'm not real high. Fair enough. So here's a question, guys: Who has a better season, K State football or K State basketball? Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. We'll, we'll answer it next time. Yeah, that's a good tease. It's <laughs> a good tease. <laughs> answer for the next episode. Yeah. All right. So final. We'll we'll stop talking about basketball. Nobody cares about. It. Um. We if you go back and we talk about football, let's talk final record. You said over under, I think on the show of nine, if that would be like better than that, or would you accept that? Because that is kind of like the nine and four season, you know, you are kind of like, well, yeah, but it's still not satisfying as like one of the elite years. I mean, it used to be, was a time when 11 wins was the benchmark of a true like K-State elite season. So um, where do you think in terms of like expectations, is it? Nine wins is like where you set it realistically, and then like eleven is like everybody's super pumped. Um, or where do you do it? You have the extra game. That's the yeah, other kind right, of thing. right. And like if you're if you're playing in the Big Twelve title game and a bowl game, like so you have to sort some things out. I think if, if we're talking even just regular season, and the poll results came back by the way that most people would be slightly disappointed with a nine win season, which. With the hype of this team, it might be Snyder's last year. Yeah, I can understand being somewhat disappointed with a nine-win regular season. But I think that should be the baseline. You work up from there. I would say I expect this team, when it's all said and done, like bowl games played, potential Big 12 championship games played, you you would expect them to be a double-digit win team. I, I think the, the gap that I can't tell you necessarily if I think they will clear right now is like the gap from nine or ten-win regular season and – in the Big 12 championship game, Big 12 champs, whatever else would come. Like, that's – I think they're a good enough team, obviously, to win 9 or 10. What I don't know is, is there enough here? Is it going to be a really special year where they make that extra jump? That's basically the way I view this thing right now. Benny, got your prediction? I don't I, – I honestly – I have never been more, like, excited and kind of uncertain because – I think as K-State fans, we're so programmed to, you know, even though we're so close to the team, we do kind of buy in on some of that hype of like, we are always going to be the underdog. We're always going to, you know, have to scrap it out and do it. And so, I mean, 
after 98 and 2012, I don't know if my heart's ready to fully commit <laughs> to loving at that level. I just got to see it. Um, and I will love it when it's happening, but I, I don't know. I just, I'm just going to say, I don't know. I, I, I think that I'm kind of where Kurtz is with like nine, 10, 11. That sounds great. I'm interested in all of that. Well, let me give you my, I don't my know prediction I've prediction. been giving since everybody was being excited about the season. Based on 2012 and 1998, mm-hmm. we go 11-1 in the Big 12, our regular season, mm-hmm. lose the Big 12 championship game, lose okay. our bowl game, mm. so we end up at 11-3. Thanks, Steve. That sounds terrible. <laughs> that's well, what's, that's, that's not, it's not a horrible prediction. I mean, I can, I, can, mm-hmm. I can see the logic in that for sure. Wait, wait which one are they winning, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? I think we win in Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, I don't want – I mean, if you're telling me now that that's how it has to be – I mean, oh, I guess were we I guess what we wanted to happen, or were we predicting what we thought was going to happen? Well, Steve, I'm just saying that I guess you know, uh, ten years on, you know, like I'm I would be okay with that, but in the year I would hate that so much. That would mean we start out ten and zero, and Who are probably you? lose to Oklahoma State, <laughs> lose two weeks later in the Big Twelve Championship. Then. That's what I see happening. Man. That yeah. would that would really. That would not be good. I mean, imagine imagine 2003 season where you get the losses out of the way right, early. Right. Um, also at the end. Uh, <laughs> but, but you have the Big 12 title. I mean, like, that's, like, where you're like, okay, yeah, four losses. What a, whatever. We won a Big 12 title. I mean, I think that's the kind of season where yeah. you're like, okay, like, we go drop a game at Vandy. We lose two, but we have, like, tiebreakers somehow. And then we win the title. Yeah, sign me up. That would be great. Or even like two two losses in the regular season with the title because we lose at Vandy. Right. That would be fantastic. Um, and then if we lose in the bowl game, so be it. But like if you're talking about we are on the precipice of like a, a like a college football playoff appearance, and then we just completely just blow it. I don't know, Steve. That doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> what the hell are we... I thought we were predicting what was going to happen. Not Steve, what we, wanted to we can speak things into existence in this room. You know that? It happens. We can't be messing around like that. Uh, I'm on the record saying what's going to happen this season. Oh. Okay, well... Ben, neither of you two are. Neither of you guys gave 100%. Steve, we're scared. We don't want to talk about it. I'm admittedly wishy-washy about that. I am refusing to go, like, balls to the wall, all-out prediction. I will give you general, general thoughts, but that's uh, that's where I'm at right now. I am so uncomfortable. I don't like talking about this stuff, guys. It's not fun. I don't like it. When you start talking about things like that, Steve, it makes me so uncomfortable. You talk about <laughs> I do not like, like it. 17 times tonight. Steve, that well, happened no. in the past. Yeah. It's only 19 years ago. 1998 <laughs> is still with me, by the way. Yeah. yeah it will never, ever, ever, ever leave. Oh my God. I was there. 1998. I was oh, there. Christ. Maybe predict us going 11-3 this year. I was there. <sighs> well, on that note. Somebody say something positive before we. Yeah, we ended with big, like, like a basketball discussion. Well, we we went succession basketball discussion, <laughs> and then like the worst possible scenario. Hey, uh, cats are probably going to win double digit games this year. Hey! hey! All right. We did it. I'll put the fight song there at the end or something. Yeah. There you go, there you go. <laughs> well, see you guys next time, or talk to you guys next time.
Can I can I throw in a shameless plug here real quick? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you should uh, you should listen to the game on K Man ninety three three FM or thirteen fifty AM from four to six every day. You can also get it on the same place you're likely getting this, the uh, Apple Podcast Store. Search the game K Man. Yeah, and you sorry. So you talked about doing Wildcat pregame. What's the new thing besides doing the highlights for Brian Smaller? Are you doing something else? Well, so secret project. Powercat game day is going to be a little bit different. We have. It'll be a three-man panel. It'll be myself, Corey Dean, and Cole Manbeck. We are pseudo-replacing Stan Weber with a taped segment with someone who used to be on the show. I will just I will say it that way. Oh, Kurtz, you're giving dad jokes on uh, on the, the game today. Right? I was. I was, yeah. Can I give you, can I give you three dad jokes for Yes, I right. love dad jokes. Uh, what do you call a deer with no eyes? I do not know. No idea. Ah, okay. Yeah. What do you, why do cows have hooves instead of feet? I don't know. Because they're lactose. Ah, okay. Good, good. <laughs> what the Pirates say on his 80th birthday? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I've heard that one. I'm 80. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I know you want to laugh. We should have ended this earlier. <laughs> no, we're ending on positive note of dad jokes. There's no better way to end a podcast. I learned it from the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. You guys want more dad jokes? Listen to the game. Yeah, no. Well, Tyler Dryling's got plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We need off the record. Okay. I'm turning it off right now.